Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Just Sayin' podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> I just lost everything <laughs> just then. I was getting ready to say something, and you, and I just lost oh, it. Oh, man. Allison, it's so good to see you. It is good to see we, you guys, too. We have missed this room yeah. that yes. we're in. Yeah, it's but, been... But we're back. It's been... A while. Uh, Three months? At least, yeah. Something like Maybe that. Maybe longer. Um, if you're new to the podcast, you probably didn't know that, but we took a bit of a Surprise. hiatus. Yeah. Well, we um, became so famous. Yeah. Uh, we ranked had... higher than Stephen Furtick, right? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's... still... Still, still to this day, still. Right? it took a long time to go through all that fan mail. Yeah, right. So. True, right. true. My fingers, oh, so sore, and the paper cuts. Yeah, not is awful. Mention. They're yeah. sending it's them awful. in like paper copies. I thought they'd be like over email. You or would, something. you would think. That's what I meant. <laughs> From swiping, he's he, his yeah. uh, screen yeah. protector yeah. got cracked and gotcha. it cut his thumb. Ooh, that's the worst. <laughs> so, welcome everybody. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really good to be here. Um, we're all. Really happy to be here, and um, we've been through a lot recently. Yeah. I mean, crazy it's been stuff. a pretty crazy time, but um, you know, God is faithful, and just a testament of that is us being here right now. Um, but you know, we just wrapped up season two, not just uh, three, three months, months ago. ago. <laughs> we wrapped up season two, um, uh, and that was on scripture. I almost forgot. Wow, it's I been that long. It. Yeah. It's been that long. <laughs> yeah, we covered um, life issues in season one, and then yes. we did, uh, you know, really broad truth, truth yeah. issues. Yeah, capital two. F, truth. <laughs> yes, inside jokes. <laughs> You're going to have to listen to season two <laughs> right. to understand. Right. Um, but this season, we are shifting gears, and we're going to be talking about the family. Can you put in a, a gear shift when you can? Yeah. I sure can. <laughs> All right. You or guys have the same idea. Yeah. Know. Well, it's wow. scary, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. We're always finishing each other's <laughs> sentences. Yeah. See? <laughs> that reminds me of that part in Frozen where their um, love is an open door. Yeah. yeah. We finish each other's sandwiches. That's what I was okay. going to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I know I've seen the movie, but I don't remember any oh, of it. Oh, man. I think I slept to it. <sighs> so good. Okay. But, but the grandkids really loved it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And. I probably shouldn't say this, but it's my son's favorite movie. Too. Oh, really? <laughs> and he's 41. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm impressed. Well, the more I like you it know. Too. I think he even got a, uh, what's the girl in the blue dress? Which one was Elsa. that? Elsa. He got an Elsa doll for Christmas. Wow. <laughs> All right. Josh, he's don't, so don't hate, hate you. Josh, don't hate me. Speaking of family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can oh, I be man. part of someone else's now? <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> this week, um, we're just going to be talking about the nuclear family. So we're going to be going through different um, elements of the family, different people and their roles. Uh, but right now, we're just really wanting to cover the basis of it, I guess, lay a foundation for why we're talking about it, really, I mm -hmm. think, is what we're going to cover in this episode, why going over um, the family in light of scripture is important. Um, so let's just get right into it. Well, and let me remind people that um, the yeah. whole, the right. whole thing that we try to do is look at these issues through the lens of scripture, not being politically correct, uh, not trying to appease, you know, the crowd, 
but that we looked at the issues of life, the issues of faith through the lens of Scripture. And now we're going to look through the, uh, you know, the issues of family through the lens of Scripture. And, and so I realized that some things we say or some things that I will say, I don't, I don't want to throw Tyler and Allison under the bus yet. Yet. <laughs> um, but some of the things I will say will seem to be insensitive. Hmm. But, but I want to say right up front, we are looking at this through that lens of the Judeo-Christian ethic, through the lens of Scripture. And so some of these things will not rest well on the surface. But I, I think that I think it is important for us to talk about it and talk about it through the lens of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, what is the nuclear family? Let's define it. It was a family that was hit by a bomb. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> the short answer, which I never give. Right. Hello? Is, <laughs> he's not here, is he, Sean? Where's he oh, at? Oh, man. Um, an, an example of a nuclear family is a dad and a mother and their children. Mm. That's, that's the short answer. Now, what you're going to hear from culture and what you're going to hear from society, as a matter of fact, I, I actually copied one from a uh, particular site on the Internet. It said this, that the nuclear family, also called the elementary family in sociology and anthropology, is, ready for this, group of people, mm -hmm. right? They don't specify mom, dad, a group of people who are united by ties of partnership. All right. Consisting of a pair of adults and their, this kills me, their socially recognized children. They're socially recognized children. Typically, but not always, the adults in a nuclear family are married. Now, notice it says typically, the, typically yeah. and adults. It doesn't say typically man and woman, the, the dad right. and the mom. Yeah. Right. So, again, not trying to be insensitive, but as we go through this, I just think it's important to say we're talking about a nuclear family that's made up of a dad, a mother, and their children. And so for the sake of this conversation, that's what we're using. That's what that's what we're going to go with. Now, family, that nuclear family was is recognized as the most basic form of social organization. Hmm. Now, I know we have some questions that we're going to get to, but I'm just going to throw this out there and let people park it in the front of their mind as we talk about this. It is the, the basic form of social organization. So when you begin to see the breakdown of the family, then you can see why you have a breakdown of society. Because the family is that microcosm of culture and society, which is the macrocosm. Mm. That's my short answer. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first, it's the first unit in society. Yes. Like we have... Um, different different um, units in our society. Um, the biggest one would probably be government. And then we go smaller mm -hmm. and we go, I don't know, probably like local government, something mm -hmm. like that. And then we go smaller, we go church probably, mm -hmm. and then smaller, uh, the family, which is just a rough outline, but just thinking about our roles in society. Um, but how does the Bible define the family and its role in the world? Well, I, I think you go back to Genesis and you see the Bible defining the nuclear family in Genesis chapter 4, the first couple of verses. Uh, Adam, the dad, knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. 
I mean, there, there it is. That's, that's the nuclear family. And, and she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord, speaking of Cain. And then she bore again, and this time it was his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. And that describes or defines, if I could say it that way, what the nuclear family was, that biblically defined. Now you can move into the New Testament, and I know we're going we're gonna to run out of time before we run out of Scripture, okay? But, but in the New Testament... Uh, Colossians chapter 3, wives, okay, wives submit to your husbands, which I know we're not going to talk about submission today, but that's become a cuss word in, in our society because people don't understand it. They don't know what it means. Uh, wives submit to your husbands. So there you have the mother and the father, right? Uh, as fitting to the Lord, husband, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, there you go. Mm. Husbands, wives, children, uh, obey your parents and everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. So I think biblically we get that definition of what a nuclear family is. Now, the problem with using that definition, not for me or I don't think for either of you, but the problem for society using that definition of, of a family is that it's not reflected that way in today's world. It's not reflected as mom, dad, and the children or the offspring of that relationship. Um because, and again, this is, this is something that we probably just need to talk about later, but we, we need to introduce the fact that sin is, has become the ingredient or the dynamic that has began to chip away at and, and even diminish what the nuclear family was. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw this somewhere, and it's, it's incredible. I, I never thought of it this way, but there are only four chapters in the Bible all 66 books, there's only four chapters in the Bible that are without sin, right? First two chapters in Genesis, mm. then sin's introduced. Yeah. And then there's a couple chapters in the Revelation of Christ uh, that, that doesn't have sin in it. So sin has impacted the family throughout the whole Bible right? and, and even into our world today. So the Bible defines it in Genesis. The Bible defines it in Colossians. You can go to Ephesians, that it's mom, dad, and children. That's the family. Um, but because of sin, unfortunately, the, um, that has been diminished in the eyes of a lot of people just because they don't see it that way any longer. Or they say, you know, our family w- was very dysfunctional, which, again, I mean, families are dysfunctional. The church is dysfunctional. Society is dysfunctional. But I think that's because of sin. We, we have to make sure we—I think we have to make sure we have that dynamic on the table, that sin is, is what's become the problem— uh, to prevent the nuclear family from being what it should be. But I think biblically it's defined in those verses. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important, like you said, that this family, this structure in the family was established in Genesis 3, right? Correct. Correct. Like from the very beginning, we God said, this is how it's going to be. Right. And, you know, a lot of people say the most controversial, controversial verse in the whole Bible is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Sure. Because if God created everything, there's an intended purpose and structure for that creation. And we find out what that is in Genesis 3. Yes. Uh, Adam cleaving to Eve as his helpmate and them forming the first family. And so this is why we say this is the definition of the nuclear family because that's what God said it was. This is the ideal type because that's what God said. It's not some social construct Mm -hmm. we developed through the centuries. Um, It isn't a result of 
historical patriarchy. Yeah. It's it's from creation. That is where we get it. And no matter what your culture culture tells you, this is where it comes from. And it's good. God right. called it good. And and I do think it's it's just crucial. And you you said it better than than I could have. I shouldn't <laughs> admit that, but you did. Uh because it is it is what God intended, but that's the problem. That's the the angst for a lot of people is, well, I don't know if I believe in God. So if I don't believe in God, then how can I believe in what he intended yeah. for the family to be? Um, you know, and, and even even in our culture, in academia, in, in, in the media, we, do, we see them do everything they can to try to remove God out of the picture. Because if God's out of the picture, then none of the things that we see as God-ordained or God-intended things, they don't matter. But just because you say you don't believe in God and just because you don't want to adhere to what God's particular standards are, that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist and that doesn't mean that those standards are not. They're still there. Right. And when we use them and when we work them, I'm telling you, society and culture, it it would be a better place. I I said this a long time ago. I actually wrote a a letter to the editor of the Herald-Dispatch years ago. They didn't publish it because I had a 400-word limit, oh. and I was at 412, <laughs> and they would But here, basically what I said was, if let's just take heaven off the table, all right? And, and, and I'm not—obviously, I believe in heaven. I believe in hell. But let's just take that off the table. If everybody would just live by the Ten Commandments, how much better world would we live in? Mm-hmm. And where did those Ten Commandments come from? The, you know, God moved upon Moses as he— chiseled in the stone or whatever, <laughs> however it was he did it. And, and that's where it came from. But yet when we we begin to try to pull back from that, we try to remove ourselves from God's standards and God's ways uh, and God's intention for the for the institution called home and family, that's where we get in trouble. And, um, and unfortunately, this is not where you want to go with this today, Allison. I know that. <laughs> and you're the producer, and you can tell Tyler to cut it out later <laughs> if you want to. Um, but that's why there's so much depression among young people, to, I think, today, is because there's no purpose. They don't have a purpose. Yeah, we they, talked about that. Yeah, they're, they're an accident, yeah. right? I mean, they, yeah. you were never intended to be here. It was just a big bang accident, and here you are. And, and, and nobody knows where you came from, why you're here, where you're going, so... You know, you have kids that are depressed and no hope, but yet we see in Scripture that God has this incredible, incredible plan for all of us, and we need to get on board with it to see the the manifest result of of what it is to live a life that's fulfilled just because you you walk within God's standards and God's plans and His purposes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> and the family was established before the fall. Like Absolutely. That unit, yes. marriage, that was there before we sinned. Yep. So it is pure and good, and yeah, I just I can yeah. go on and on about well, that. It, and and you're right. I mean, when we when we look at what the family has become mm-hmm. because of sin, because of doubt, because of lack of faith, because of lack of belief, and people look at what the family's become, they want to take that and say, look. Look what the look what this family did uh, has become God, right? This is your no. This was not His plan. It's not you know. It's not His plan. And and um, His plan was for there to be this nuclear family uh, of a mother and a father, 
It's just so crucial for us to make sure people understand that. I know it's insensitive to some people. Some people say that we shouldn't be this way. But no, a mother and a father, because I think there's things to be learned from both genders. Um, and, and then, Not and then only the that, but that. That, that's what it takes in order to do Absolutely. what else we were instructed right. to do, and that's to multiply. To replenish the earth, which which I'm glad you said that, Tyler, because I had this highlighted in my notes. Hey, but you're welcome. I had put it away, <laughs> but I'll come back to it. When the King James Version of the Bible was translated in 1611, all the way to heaven, um, replenish means to fill again, to fill up again. Uh, you know, some people say, you know, to replenish the earth, uh, that they use all these different definitions of what that really means. But the truth of the matter is the English translation of the, of the Bible re- probably should not have used replenish. It should have just said fill the earth, yeah. to fill the earth. And the purpose of a husband and a wife coming together, become one, is to to fill the earth with the offspring of that. And you're right. I mean, that's the only way that works. Now, listen, I I don't want to get into all of the crazy (laughs) science that's going on and medical experimentation. Uh, God intended for a man and a woman to come together and have offspring to fill the earth. And then, and we can talk about this in a a little bit because I know you got a question about it. Then God gives instructions on how this family is supposed to work to best glorify him. Not glorify each other, not glorify, but to glorify God. The family should bring glory to God. Mm. And and I think that's, unfortunately, that's kind of where we've missed it. Yeah. yeah. So um, why do you think the family is such an important thing to grow and to serve through? Well, uh, because I, and I would love to hear what you guys think about this. I, I think we have so much to learn from the family. There, there is a, uh, an education to be gained within the family. Uh, parents should be parents. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but parents should be parents. But the problem is we have so many parents who want to be friends, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's important for, for children, the offspring, to learn some basic things about life, some basic things about God, some basic things about the family, and they learn those things from mom and dad. But sometimes mom and dad have abandoned that responsibility to to help the children see that. So the important thing for us to grow and to serve in a family is to learn how to live, to learn who we are, to learn who God is, to learn how to be uh, obedient to our parents as husbands, to learn to love our wives, as wives to learn to respect our husbands. And the the crazy thing to me is, is we, in our humanity, we, we're so competitive and, and we have that I got to win mentality where it, it almost has destroyed this fabric of husbands love your wives, wives respect your, your uh, husbands and children obey your parents. Because we think, well, as a wife, I will respect my husband if... Right or as a husband, I always if he does something worthy of my respect. But it never says that in the Bible. In the other way around too, you know. Absolutely, I love my wife if she respects me. Right, (laughs) Right. exactly, and that's and and that's just wrong. It's just wrong. It's biblically wrong. Right. And children, listen, children. It says obey your parents. It doesn't say obey your parents if. They do this, 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 or buy you a device, or allow you an extra phone, or whatever the case. It says obey your parents. Period. But yet we, we kind of get outside of that. And when we do, it's, it's, it's really 
uh, diminishes what the uh, the impact I'll, I'll put it up, the impact that the family can have. So too often we find parents trying to be friends. Parents, let me tell you something, and take it from the 61 year old man in the room <laughs> with uh, two kids and and several grandchildren. Uh, your children have plenty of friends. True. They don't have plenty of parents. Yeah, right? they don't need more friends. No, they they got plenty of friends. You need to be a parent. And a parent needs to train up a child in the way that they should go, according to Proverbs 22 and 6. And when they grow up, I know the the verbiage in the Bible says that they won't part from it. What that really means is that it doesn't part from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there may come a time when a child will stray, but what you train them up with never leaves them. Right. It's there. And I think that's a, a crucial thing for us to understand. Ephesians 6, 4, parent, uh, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So when we leave um, maturity and servanthood to culture and to society, it's normally not going to work out well. Normally, it's never, never going to work Okay, out. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> never. Uh, she just gave me a B on that. <laughs> It's, you're right. It's not. Right. It's not going to. And when, But yet when we realize that it's the family that we mature in, it's the family that we learn to serve in, it's the family that we learn our role uh, as whatever gender we are, we learn that role from the family. Um, it, uh, yeah, I, I, need to, I need to leave it there because I'm sure we'll talk about some things in, in other episodes. But do not leave this... Uh, this training ground to culture and society because mm. it never, it never works out yeah. right. And I love how you said training ground because I have in my notes that the family is the first school of spiritual training. Isn't it? It is the first yeah. establishment well that said. God has set out for your kids to learn about the truth. It is your responsibility to teach them. And we'll get into this more when we talk about the church and its role in the family. But you need to catechize your children. Yes. And if you don't know what catechizing means, it means teaching them the doctrines of truth. Yep. You need to teach your children and raise them up in the ways yep. of the Lord. And that is your responsibility. I saw this uh, meme. Am I saying that right? Yeah. You know, I am the old man in the room. Yeah. It says, parents that treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. Hmm. I mean... It, As a parent, it's my responsibility to make sure my children have this truth in them. That's going to be the foundation of their life. It's going to be the anchor that holds them steady in a storm. But instead, I I really cannot tell you the number of parents I've dealt with in the last 35 years that I've been in ministry that they don't, they, the church and the church attendance is not even on their radar until their children end up in a bad situation. And the first place they come to is the pastor. Can you help me with my child? Can you do something? Those of you that can't see me, I'm pointing to my office. (laughs) Um, Can you help me do something with my child? But yet that says it right there. I realized I was born in 1959. I know. Who did that? I closed my eyes. Was that you? <laughs> um, and I was raised, and I, and I can, I guess I can, justifiably say I was raised in a different time, right? right than yeah. what it is today. My, my parents never gave me the option of not going to church. <laughs> I, I've said this from the pulpit. If, if laying in my bed at eight years old on Sunday morning, if I just thought, if I just had the thought, I didn't say anything out loud, just the thought, 
I don't want to go to church today. I got a whipping. <laughs> now, for those of you that don't know what a whipping is. Um, That's episode two. Yeah. <laughs> Corporal punishment. Um, but but I, it was not. And you know why? It got to the point where I didn't think, well, I don't want to go to church today. My parents instilled that in me, that being around the community of faith was important for me to have this training and, and to mature and to learn how to... to uh, get along in society again. And the church has abandoned some of its responsibility when it comes to that as well. Uh, but the church should be the place that, that we should learn how to even deal with people and get along with people and yeah. and, and, and all these different things. But I, I never had a choice. My brothers didn't have a choice. Listen, my, my mom would wake us up at 6 o'clock in the morning, give us breakfast, and before we could leave, we had to sit around in the living room and every day— a different brother had to read a chapter out of the Bible. Now, granted, there were many days the other three brothers were sleeping, right? <laughs> but but it's in me. It's in, Read the Bible. You don't have to force me to read the Bible. I know it's something I need to do to hear from God. But instead of, uh, instead of reading the Bible, we got ball games on Wednesday night that we got to go to. Instead of going to church, we got tournaments on the weekends. If if I would have played baseball on Wednesday night when I was growing up, the earth would have opened up and swallowed us up. <laughs> I mean, that's why we we believe that. That's why I said, was you was you scared? Your parents just put, no. It was. It's just we had that reverence, awe, that all of it's, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really. I, I need to shut up now. I'm yeah. <laughs> I, I just uh, she said yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying yeah that I in agree agreement. with you in agreement. But um yeah, hold on, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh I was just uh, you know, the family is important because someone is going to indoctrinate your children. Absolutely. Someone yes. is going to tell them um what is true and what is a lie. Someone is going to set the course of their life and their worldview. And according to scripture, it should be you. Yes. It should not be the school. Um, it should not be the public school, period. No. Um, and, you know, <laughs> culture is trying to tell us that um, sending your kids to public school um, is neutral because they're not developing. They're not um, right. giving them a certain perspective. They're not giving them oh, but they are. Um, yeah, they religion. Are. But secularism is not neutral either. Secularism is a religion. It is. Yeah. You're going to be worshiping something. You're going to believe that something is the ultimate truth. And your kids need to hear it from you. Okay? So I'm, I'm really calling parents to conviction right now. You need to step it up because my first instinct when I look at a kid who is struggling, who is in rebellion. My first instinct is where's your, where's their parents? Who are their parents? Because that responsibility falls uh, mostly on them. It's mostly not the kid's fault. uh, So you have a big, big responsibility to live up to. And, you know, God gave you this, this gift, this job, it's a gift and you need to use it well. Yeah. Again, uh, so I'm sure it'll come up in one of the other six episodes, but, you know, parents that just abandon the responsibility of, you know, they think they can have children, right? We can have children, but then they don't really follow up with what it takes to bring that child up and, and to teach those truths and that foundational thing. And, I mean, we see that 
that lack of accountability, we see it down the road now to where, you know, and I'm, I'm not sorry to say it, but abortion now has become not, it's birth control. It's a, I don't want to accept the responsibility, so I'm going to, I'll have an abortion. Yeah. And, and rather than us say, you know what? God has ordained us as parents, as mother and a father, for us to fill the earth and to bring those children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and to take that responsibility seriously. But instead, uh, some moms and dads will bring children in the world, but then they abandon what the responsibility is after that and and take the whole, well, I'm going to be their friend yeah. because I feel like that, you know, I can probably accomplish more with them just just getting along with, no, no, no. I had, I'll say this, Allison, and we can, we can move on. My dad passed away seven years ago. My mom passed away about this time last year. And, and I'm, I'm 61. And I can tell you, I had more respect for my parents when they passed away than what I did when I was 10, yeah. 12, 13, because the older I got, the smarter my parents got, <laughs> right? The things that they were trying to instill in me that I maybe I pushed against on occasion are the things that I came to realize, man, how crucial it was for them to instill those things in me <clears throat> to where, I mean, not everybody's going to be a pastor, but they instilled things in me that have now helped me in pastoring a church and in counseling with people. And uh, you cannot abandon that. If you are a parent, if you're an expecting parent, we have two families right now at Cabell Huntington having children. Matter of fact, your mom's helping one of them, I think. Is she working today? She's not working today. Not working today. She's been, and I'll say their names because I know they don't care. Uh, Jake and Sydney Blackburn, who uh, are, are part of our church. I did their, their wedding. They're having a baby right now. Mm-hmm. And so is Cassie and Kyle Lawhorn, which is Vicki Edwards' grandson. And those parents need to look at that responsibility and say, what a miracle for yeah, one. Right. What a miracle. No, it was not a single cell amoeba in a primordial suit <laughs> that got struck by lightning. This was a miracle of God. And now I have this awesome responsibility yeah. as a family to to have this training opportunity to help them see who God is, to know God and to make him known. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's it's really the best missionary field that Isn't we're it? given. It, it is. You don't need to go. Did you come up with that on your own? No, that's really no, good. I've heard it. <laughs> okay. I did not come up with that, but it is It is the first missionary field and the, the most important one that God gives us. Yep. You know, if you can't um, share the gospel with your kids, how do you expect to share it with the guy behind you at Kroger? Right. Like... Um, just now we know where Allison shops. <laughs> Actually, I don't shop at Kroger. <laughs> that's why she. You that's just why gave, she said Kroger. Yeah. You, just, you just gave him a plug. Are we getting paid for that? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, and too. it's not. And it's another one of those things. that's not always rainbows and butterflies. Mm-hmm. Oh and no. Never, no, you know. But that's 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 when it's more, the most important. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times even with my own kids that I'm like, obviously, my, my plan. I'm not just trying to be mean or be, you know. Uh, a party pooper, but but at the end of the day, I feel the same way. As they get older, they're gonna understand that it was coming not from a place of of yeah. of you know hate or anything, but from a place of love. My dad was not a very good communicator. Uh, you guys know my story. Go back to episode one, season one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, find out about PT. My dad was hit by a train, paralyzed for the remainder of his life, and was a very slow speaker. 
Mm-hmm. He just he could think quick enough. He just couldn't get it out quick. And so he was not the great communicator that would say, now, uh, Terry, you did this wrong, and I'm going to have to punish you for this and discipline you, and I want you to understand. He, no, he just got the belt. And just. <laughs> but what I said to Vicky, like, when we have children, I will never, I will never say to them, because I'm your dad, that's why, <laughs> right? But I did. You did. But here's yeah. what I learned in that. I'm your dad. You need to trust my heart yeah, that I've got exactly. your best interests at mind and that I'm here to protect you and provide. Now, take that from horizontal to vertical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many people's view of God is so skewed because they don't, they don't know his heart because they've never been taught or trained to trust someone's heart. Yeah, and yeah. there's a reason for that. There's a reason why fathers shape our the trajectory of our life, and it's because they are the foundation of yep. our 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 heart for Jesus. Yep. Yes, and that's exactly right. Well, and and God made it. Yeah, that. God he, planned he it that way. He intended it to yeah. be that way. Listen, I'm not being chauvinistic. I'm not, I, but also I'm not worried about being politically correct. Yeah, don't worry about there, it. There there is principle for male headship in the mm-hmm. home. Right, male headship in the home because that, that it's a reflection of God, the and then Jesus, the Son. You know, there, and, and and the problem is is that uh, men, and, and I'm saying this as a pastor, I've pastored, and uh, the man, I am the man, <laughs> uh, no, I am the man um, that that I've pastored here for 17 years. I've been full time in the ministry for almost 30 years. I've been in the ministry for 40 years, and it is. I'm going to use the word embarrassing, and and maybe we'll get some fan mail or some hate mail. It's embarrassing how that the church has stayed alive because of women, Mm. because men have abandoned their responsibility to lead their families. When I do counseling with couples in my office, and once again, I'm pointing to my office, um, and I give an assignment to a couple, I give it to the husband. Not because I, just because he needs to take the lead. Yeah. When a uh, when when a wife says, I, I, "Well, I just wish we could come to church together," but he won't come, I will tell her, "Listen, you come anyway." But when it comes to, all right, here's a devotional that I want you guys to do for the next 14 days. I hand it to the husband, and you're the one that I'm putting the onus on mm-hmm. that you got to get it done because I believe in male headship, and, and just and we're, we're man, we this might have to go into part two. <laughs> I had someone come to my office, 17-year-old young lady from our church. It wasn't you, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> and I had said that from the pulpit about male. I believe there's biblical principle for male headship mm-hmm. in, our, in, in the family. She called. She goes, I have a real problem with something you said in your sermon. I, I need to talk to you. I said, come on in. So she came in, and we began to And she's like, I don't agree with you. I don't think it is that there should be. I, and, and here's what I asked her. I said, Susie, her name wasn't Susie. Susie. <laughs> I said, Susie, if you are married and you and your husband have come to an impasse on, on a particular subject, whatever it is, maybe it's a financial decision or children or whatever, and you come to an impasse, I believe that it's at that point a husband needs to make a decision. Somebody's got to make a decision. Husband, make the decision. And, and, and you're disagreeing with me. So what would you do? You and your husband have come to an impasse, and without hesitation, there was she didn't even think about it. She said, "We just get divorced." <laughs> that's what. That's exactly what she. But but you know what? 
take that microcosm again. That's our. That's, that's the, the society that, that we live culture. in. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Because Man. because we've abandoned the plan that God put in place. Yeah. It's there's not a problem with the structure. There's a problem with us. Yes. It's, it's our hearts. If you are faced mm. with the truth, Man. like you say, you're either going to get mad or you're going to change and accept the truth. Allison Gardner, Gardner quoting Pastor Terry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. I mean, yeah. when you are looking at scripture and you see clearly, and we're going to talk about the father's role and the mother's role, mm-hmm. and we'll get deeper I'm sorry. into this. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I think it's important. It's very important. When you come and you're looking at scripture and you find truth and you are conflicted about that, you your instinct should not be, oh, there's a problem with this. Right. This is wrong. Yeah. It should be reflection of you. There's a problem with me. Yes. My heart is tainted by culture, by sin, by the world, and I need to change. And and as an individual, that attitude, that mentality of, no, it's not me, is also part of the culture <laughs> and society, yeah. right? It, it, no, no, no. You're good, man. It's all, you're good. You do what you want to do. You can make any decision. But yet, when you get confronted with something out of the Word of God, you, you are either going to change or you're going to get mad. And there's probably some people that are listening to us right now that are probably not real happy. No. And I understand that. But, but listen, to those of you that are mad at us right now, <laughs> you need to stop and think, is this something I'm being confronted with that's truth? Mm-hmm. And if yeah. it's truth, I'm either going to get mad or I'm going to change. Yeah. Go to the scripture yourself. We've been saying this for a long, long time. Yeah. This is not our idea. We're just saying. <laughs> We're just saying. We didn't make this stuff up. No. So you don't have a problem with us. You have a problem with God. Mm. Okay? I'm sorry. Preach. That's, Preach. That's period. Okay. We need right. to move on. Let's move on. Or, or the other the Wait a minute, Tyler side no. of that coin is you just don't know. And so mm-hmm. therefore, seek and you shall find. It's yeah. right there. Yes. It's, it's in the writing. Yeah. And, right. and sometimes it takes you taking that first step and and challenging yourself to learn. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, and again, going back to some of the counseling that I do, I, I'm not being braggadocious, but I, I think I'm pretty good <laughs> at what I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in the end, complete healing and wholeness only comes from God. Now, I would love to be able to say, no, I can do that, but I cannot. I cannot do it. I can give you some exercises. I can give you some conflict resolution strategies. I can, But when it comes down to healing a broken heart, only God can do that. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to understand, I need to expose myself to him and let him change things in me. And when I am confronted with the truth, don't run from that. And don't get mad at the person that gave it to you. Just say, Lord, is this me? And if it is, change. Mm-hmm. Don't be like the man who looks at himself in a mirror but then as soon as he turns away, quickly forgets what he looked like. Yeah. We, we have to understand that as parents and as children, I'm not leaving you little children out. <laughs> You're chilling. I'm not Sapling. leaving you out. <laughs> 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 but, you know, we, they, they have a response. Children have a responsibility too. It's the first commandment with a promise, isn't it? Yeah. Children, obey your parents so that your days upon the earth can be extended. That's the first commandment with promise. And so, again, I just think it's so crucial for us to hold up the mirror of God's Word, not what I'm saying or what Allison's saying or what Tyler's saying, but look at God's Word, and let's find out how we're supposed to raise our family, how we're supposed to be a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So we kind of, we, I mean, we touched on it just now, but I want to go deeper into this because I think it's telling. Um, how has culture deconstructed the biblical view of the family? Oh my goodness. Allison, such a, it, it was such an awesome question. That could be an episode <laughs> but in it itself. Is an epi- it is an episode in and yeah. of itself, but we can try to scratch the surface and maybe come back and revisit it later. Yeah. Um, I think number one, political correctness has has done as much as anything to destroy families. But I think even more, what I would put at the top of the list is what is referred to as identity politics. Hmm. Identity politics, which is uh, politicizing anybody's particular certain little characteristic. And, and, and I will use the word minority. I'm not using the word minority in the sense of race. I'm just right. saying... Uh, a, a person who is uh, wants to have same-sex marriage, right? Identity politics is identifying with that person and then trying to change law and legislation to help them. Yeah. When you start tearing away at the basic fiber of what the family is, it, it, and once that starts taking effect, it doesn't take long to see the I'm sorry, but the demise of the family, mm-hmm. it's, it, it can be destroyed when you begin to weaponize identity politics against the family. When I say family, nuclear family, mom, dad, children, and let's say Tyler says, no, it's not. Looking at the issues of family through the lens of Scripture, one of us is wrong. Mm-hmm. Not Not one of us needs to be manipulated. Not right. one of us needs to change a little. No, one of us is wrong, mm-hmm. and we need to find out who that is. Now, when it comes to family, nuclear family, mom, dad, children, and I'm sticking to that. I'm pretty sure you two are sticking to that because it's the biblical definition. Right. But it's that identity politics that has worked so hard at changing all of that. And and it, it's if people don't understand that our children are under attack, hmm. they have been under a rock yeah. somewhere. Where are you? <laughs> I mean, they our children are under attack mm-hmm. by society, by culture, by academia, mm-hmm. by media, uh, by the government. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't want to get into this because we only have four minutes, uh, which <laughs> which I've just stomped all over all of your questions. Which uh, will be more like ten minutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> you say that to make people at ease, right? <laughs> Linda, would you come? Uh, <laughs> now, where was I? Yeah. Uh, some, I think it was a, uh, what do they call those, the, the presidential order where you don't have to take executive order. Executive order. Yeah. Do you see the one they signed? I think it was last week allowing, uh, someone who may have been born a boy. Title, title nine. Right. Uh, it was an extension of title nine. If you're born a boy, but yeah. you want to identify as a female, mm-hmm. you can participate in female athletics. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. or occupy female spaces. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. here's, and the problem with that, of course, is you have a, a young lady who is very, very talented in volleyball. Right. And she wants to go to college and she thinks she can get a scholarship. But someone who was born a boy who's going to identify as a female is a better volleyball player and going to get the spot on the team over yeah. that person. Right. Now, that's just one minuscule, well, that's really Implication, not Implication, yeah. yeah. But you, you blow that up to right. the big picture, and you see what society, what culture is doing, and, and you have to believe. If I call anybody to, to arms right now, it's to, to understand and know our children are under attack. 
Mm-hmm. And I have two grandchildren, one's 11, one's seven, and I listen to them and I watch them and I can hear in them how they're under attack. And I'm thankful that they have parents and grandparents, of course, <laughs> that, you know, can help keep them rooted. Right. Yeah. But you can't say that about about everybody. Other kids, yeah. And, and so it's unfortunate because culture is trying to redefine the norms. And indoctrinate them. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Like, like I was saying. A- yeah. Including the belief in what is a traditional family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and it's creep. It's crept into, it's creeped into, it's crept mm-hmm. into. Creepeded. It's crepted into education. Uh, and, and even into our medical field. Into the movies. Into, and into movies. TV shows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everything. <sighs> Allison, <laughs> you just you have a way of saying just the right things. <laughs> I mean, just just I, I would just challenge people for the next twenty four hours. If you if you watch television at all, for the next twenty four hours, just watch the commercials. Watch how commercials have changed just in the last year. Yeah. You 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 cannot you cannot find one commercial that doesn't have a same-sex couple in it. You cannot find one commercial that doesn't have something that's attacking what would be traditional family values, traditional norms. And again, it goes back to this political, uh, this identity politics thing. And I'm not—I've been accused of being too political. I don't think I'm— I don't think I'm political enough. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about running for president. So <laughs> vote for me. Wagner uh, 2024. <laughs> well, I'd vote for you. <laughs> Boy, we better move on. Quick. <laughs> um, but like you said, media with violence, sexuality, um, uh, uh, the attack against norms, uh, bad behavior by professional athletes, which for some reason now we've allowed professional athletes to be the ones going to instill into our kids. I mean, that's crazy. And to hear actors and actresses and athletes tell me what, what I should think politically. Yeah. I don't care. Listen, you get paid $20 million to bounce the basketball and shoot the hoop, (laughs) do that and do do it good. I don't want, I don't want you to tell me about politics. I'm going to watch your basketball game to escape politics. Yeah. But yet, but yet these kids, these young, impressionable children that maybe in some cases don't have those parents that are helping to instill those traditional values. And they hear these actors, these actresses, these, these uh, athletes, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it is tearing the fabric away from what the family is supposed to be. And, and I don't know. I, I mean, the answer has to be some parents that will rise up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't I, – I, I, I need to pray about how we can call those parents to rise up because they <laughs> that we need parents to reclaim the power mm-hmm. to protect your children. Mm-hmm. Protect your children. Yeah. I, I just I don't get it. Yeah. I don't and get I, it. I think that another challenge needs to be needs to be issued to the men. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because I think that's another big and I, I am a man and <laughs> I am I am saying this <laughs> that you know, a lot a lot there are a lot of men out there who have just not stepped up to the plate yeah. mm-hmm. when they should have, and and that has I don't want to say forced, um, but but in a sense of the word forced, you know, the woman to to look elsewhere yeah. for it, a mate yeah. who is willing to be there and step up and do things where he wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's that's, that's the, a big contributor too. That's the number one problem facing <clears throat> the African American community today is sure. fatherlessness. Yeah. That yeah. is the reason why there is such a high rate of 
gangs, mm-hmm. violence, abortion mm-hmm. is is fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. And man, this question. Well there, well, there was, and I I won't quote these statistics exact, but I'll, I'll be close. In, in 1960, um, in, in the African American community, there was a father and a mother in almost 70 percent of of homes. Now. And you would think now it would be more, but right. now it's like 25%. Mm-hmm. And, and recently we all experienced um, the, the racial unrest in our country. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody thinks that what happened to George Floyd was okay. Nobody thinks that. Right. But then that cause gets hijacked. And, and, and again, this is not political. This is Terry Wagner to speak in my heart. That movement got hijacked by a group called Black Lives Matter. And on their website, they've removed yeah. it now. I, they've it, removed yeah, it now. Yeah, I have it. It says they want to disparage the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. Yes, mm. which which is the traditional yeah. family. Yeah. And, of course, it goes on to talk about, um, you, you know, you don't have to have a mom and a dad. You can have two moms or two dads, and, and that's still a good family unit. I'm not saying that those people are not good people. Every, right. I, I believe in people. But that's not God's model. That's not, that's not what he set up to work. And, and when you would go outside, listen to me, when you go outside of what God has planned, it's never going to end well. You and you, we need to stay within the structures and, and the standards that God set up. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot more to say on that. So I'm thinking we just need to do yeah. part, part two. Yeah, we do. I, there's a there's a lot of ground to cover, and this is really this is. I hope we've established the foundation for why this conversation is so important. Yeah. I hope you get it. Yeah. That if we get the family wrong, we get our country wrong. Yes. We get the world wrong. We get culture wrong. We get the church wrong. We get the church wrong. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that um, next week. Hopefully. I thought I would throw that in. There yes. For you. Yeah. We're going to talk about <laughs> segue. <laughs> we're going to talk about a little bit more about culture's influence on the family and the dynamic between the church and the family, because there's also a lot to talk about there. I think. Absolutely. Um, yes. so it was really, this was really fun. I have missed you guys. Yeah. Not, not I mean, I've seen you right, yeah. on a weekly basis, but I've yeah. missed this. Yeah. And uh, I apologize if I got a little bit off the rails. No. I'll try to do better next time. It was, it was good. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this. I hope you guys enjoyed this too. Um, you know, send us your hate mail <laughs> to TWR to twagner nine seven seven at gmail dot com. We will take your hate mail and we will look at it. Sure, and we'll we'll go over the arguments. Like, give yeah. give us your best shot through the lens of scripture. Yes. If you want to know where we're coming from, you need to go back and listen to our foundation for this, mm-hmm. and that is the inerrancy and sufficiency of scripture as the ultimate authority. Um, But yeah, uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Don't forget to email us your questions and we will see you next week. See ya.